1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and following. Today we, we do our, our baptisms, and this is our, our baptismal. Some of you have never seen it before. It looks like this. And uh, what's really great about baptism and being a Christian in the 21st century is there is a water heater in there. So that water feels really good. In fact, I thought about relaxing before the first service, but I decided not to do that. And, uh, but that, that's, that's that. And, you know, I'm having this great weekend because two of the really great things that we get to do as Christians, we get to marry people and we get to baptize people. And yesterday, I had the coolest wedding that I got to officiate. It was so much fun. And they are here this morning. And so that tells you how much they love me. But uh, uh, Tony and Stephanie Basella got married yesterday, and I married them. They're right there. They don't like being pointed out, but I did that. So that was like one of the funnest weddings I've ever had. We just had this great uh, wedding and good time with their family, and I just really enjoyed that. And then today is baptism. Now, baptism. I love baptism. And I, you know, we don't, we don't do it enough. We need to do it more often uh, at Crosspoint. But baptism, I've gotten to baptize some of the most important people in my life. I got to baptize my beautiful wife, Sherry, and that was really wonderful. And so I didn't even have to hold her down in the water long, you know what I mean? Like, she's so great. I was like, I'll just sprinkle you a little bit, you know? And then I got to, I've gotten to baptize my oldest daughter, Abigail, and she's now in Malawi. And some of you have been asking. She's doing great. We get some pictures every now and then on Facebook. We don't get to talk to her, but I've been writing her letters. But she looks great in the pictures. She's alive and doing well. And uh, I've gotten to baptize Ashley and Allison, my next two daughters, and we, I baptized them here at Cross Point on the same day. I remember that. It was a really, really wonderful day. I got to baptize my mother-in-law. Well, I held her down for a while. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's like, it's like, hold her down, hold her down. I was like, Marco! Didn't hear anything. Marco! Didn't he? Now I pulled her up. She said, Polo, 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 you know. Uh, but I splashed some extra water, you know what I mean? No, she's, I'm, I'm joking. Sherry, I'm sorry. I'll apologize to her later. She's probably listening to this. So I love you, Jean. You're wonderful. Um, I had to, but I got to baptize her. It's just a really great thing. And I remember my own baptism. You know, I was, I was this 17-year-old uh, kid and had no clue about wisdom or life or anything that was important. And Christ came into my life, and he saved me. And I don't know where I would be without Jesus. I was not the type of personality I was going to make it without God. I just wasn't. I was the type of personality I was going down really quick, and who knows where I'd be without Christ coming into my life. And I remember after believing in him, then getting baptized, and that being one of the most fantastic days of my life just to tell people this is what's happened to me. Baptism is so important. And what I like to say at Crosspoint and what we really want to focus on as a church is we don't want to water down the importance of baptism. We want to know exactly what it means. We want to know exactly how God wants us to do it. We are interested in the meaning of baptism how it should happen, and why is that? 
Because Jesus said, go out into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I know there's a lot of debates about baptism, how it should be done, what it means, everything like that. And I understand that there's going to be differences of issues between various denominations. And we respect those differences, but it doesn't mean just because there's differences we shouldn't talk about it or we shouldn't take a stand on what we believe the Bible says about baptism. Let us go ahead and take the risk and get bold on here's what the Bible says. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that if we're wrong on any area, the grace of God will cover us and Jesus will still accept us into heaven. Amen? But we are interested in the meaning of baptism, and we don't want to water down the meaning of baptism. Now, let me read to you this great passage on baptism from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and following. And this is what it says. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Now, I want to talk to you briefly about three things when it comes to baptism. I want to talk about the meaning of baptism, the people of baptism, and the mode of baptism. And so the first question is, what is baptism? What does it mean? And look at verse 21 again. Let me read it one more time. Probably the most important verse when it comes to the meaning of baptism. It says in verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not, you could circle the word not, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Looking at that verse, I would say this, that the meaning of baptism is this. It is an outward symbol of an inward reality. It's an outward sign of an invisible truth. Now, when you first read that verse 21, you think, is that saying that baptism, water baptism, saves people and makes people right with God? At first, you're tempted. If you read it really quick, you would be like, well, that's what the Bible's saying. But when you look closely at the verse, you can see that he's saying baptism corresponds to this. It saves you not as the removal of dirt. In other words, not physically or the physical aspect of baptism, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. In other words, the meaning of baptism is, water baptism is not, this is the way to go to heaven. The meaning of the water baptism is that it is an outward appeal to what's happened in your heart, in your life. It is an appeal of our conscience before God. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, an outward expression of an invisible reality. It's a symbol. It's an outward symbol. And you know, symbols are important. 
So on the one hand, water baptism can't be elevated to the place of saving us. But on the other hand, it must be elevated to an important place in the part of the church. Why? Because it's a symbol and symbols are important. Symbols are important. Think about symbols that are important to you. What are some symbols that are important to you? Outward signs of invisible beliefs that you have. One symbol that we have in our country is we have a flag, don't we? We have an American flag. You know, in my, front of my little Cape Cod house, I've got an American flag that flies in front of it. And, and it's great. And why? Because I, I love my country. I'm a citizen. I'm American. I grew up with a belt buckle that said, God, guns, and guts made America free. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, and so I, I fly an American flag, and it's an outward symbol. Now, does owning an American flag automatically make you a citizen of our country? No. It's just an outward sign. I'm a citizen because of other reasons. I'm a citizen of our country because I was born into this country. I was born to Don and Sonia Gutteridge, and I was born to them. They were citizens. I inherited citizenship in my relationship to them. A flag is just an outward sign. Is an American flag important to us? Of course it is. Is it all important to be an American? No. Baptism is the same thing. Baptism is important, but it doesn't make us a Christian. It tells the world that we already are Christians. It is a way for believers in Jesus Christ to say publicly, I am a believer. My conscience before God is that I'm right with God. And I'm showing you with this symbol of baptism that I'm a believer in God. You say, yeah, but if it's a symbol of an inward reality... If it's an outward expression of this invisible meaning in someone's life, what exactly does it, does it symbolize in their life? And, of course, it symbolizes that they've believed the gospel. Look back up at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. What is it that people who get baptized are trying to symbolize? They're trying to symbolize that they have believed the good news of God. And what is the good news of God? It's verse 18. Jesus, the righteous one, died for the unrighteous. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus died on the cross and suffered our suffering for our sins so that you and I could be made alive. Jesus died and defeated death, and all who believe in Jesus Christ will come back to life. What I like to say about Christianity is Christianity is not a me change. Christianity is an exchange. Now, that might be a cheesy platitude to some, but it perfectly captures what a believer believes. A believer in Jesus Christ comes to a place that says, I cannot be righteous and make myself right for heaven. No matter what rituals I do, no matter what works I do, no matter how good I am, I'm never going to live up to the holy standard of God's righteousness. And so then we look to Jesus, who came and he was perfect, and he was righteous, and when he died on the cross, he absorbed our sin in our place. And so when I was 17 years old, and I realized that there was no way I could make myself right with God, you know what I did? I laid hold of Jesus, and I said, you make me right. I laid hold of Jesus and said, you died for my sins. I laid hold of Jesus and said, you defeated death. You're my hope of heaven. 
The only hope we have as believers to going to heaven has nothing to do with what we've done, and it has everything to do with what Jesus has done. And when we're baptized, what we're saying is we are united with Jesus Christ. What happened to Jesus? He was, he was buried in a tomb. He died. And on the third day, he came out alive. And water baptism corresponds to that. We, spiritually, were buried with Jesus in that tomb. Our old life was buried. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we now have come out of that spiritual death into new life. Anyone who's in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away, the new has come. And just like symbolically, the people who get baptized are going to come out of this water new. See, the symbol of their coming up out of their old life and coming into their new life. And they're cleansed and they're purified by the grace of God. And they're covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And they're united to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great symbol? Isn't that a great picture of what we believe? You see, the meaning of baptism is that we can't water this down. The meaning of baptism is this, is it is an outward sign of an inward reality. And while it can't make us right with God, it is important. And I would say this to you, if you're a believer and you've never been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, I would urge you to put on this symbol in your life, to get baptized. To say, it doesn't, you're not going to be any more right with God if you get baptized, but what you are going to be doing is you're going to be celebrating your rightness and you're going to be obedient to Jesus who said, get baptized. Take on this symbol. Take on this meaning. And so the meaning of baptism is it is an outward symbol of an inward reality. The second thing is this, who are the people of baptism? Who are the people of baptism? In other words, who should get baptized? This is actually a really important question. I would go back to verse 21. Let me read it for the third time. It's really a significant verse. But Peter says this, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body. In other words, not physically saves you, But as an appeal to God, in other words, you're appealing to God for a conscience that's believed in Jesus Christ through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, in terms of who should get baptized, I would just have you circle an appeal to God. Whose appeal to God? Who is making their appeal to God for a conscience that's right with God? A believer is. Someone who is consciously, who said, I realize that I'm a sinner, and I realize that Jesus died for my sins, and I have consciously believed in Jesus Christ, and I've consciously believed that he's defeated death, and I'm consciously deciding to get baptized. What that means is that the people who should be baptized are believers. In our church at Crosspoint, we believe in believers' baptism. Now, also in our church, we're a very diverse church, so some people come from different traditions, Presbyterian, Uh, We've had Episcopalians, we've had former uh, Catholics, we've had all kinds of people have come to Crosspoint and said, this is my home. So we're pretty diverse, actually, when it comes to denominational background. I'm a pastor, 
I come from a Methodist church, right? In fact, even yesterday when I was doing the, the wedding ceremony, I, I have a Methodist ritual book I use. It's actually the same Methodist ritual book that my pastor used to marry Sherry and I. That's always the little book I use when I take people through their vows. So even I have a diverse background in comparison to our non-denominational Believer's Baptism Church. And here's what I would say, is that when you read the Bible, I'm just really convinced that when you read the Bible, what you see is you see believers getting baptized. They say, I've believed in Jesus, and now I'm going to get baptized. And of course, the big question is, well, how, you know, what's, what's the breakoff line? Like, are we talking six, seven, eight years old? What are we talking about? And for me as a pastor, it, it's just more of, does a child or an adult consciously understand that Jesus died for the sins and defeated death, and have they believed in Jesus Christ? Now, I got to add to that, not only that, but I would say this, it does not require a mature believer. You know, it's not like you got to reach some level of belief, like, okay, now I'm, I'm really flow hopping in my believing in Jesus. I'm really, I'm really going to the next level spiritually. So now I'm ready to be baptized. I believe that as soon as someone believes in Jesus Christ, no matter their level of deep theological knowledge or how many Bible verses they've memorized or how completely they understand biblical theology, as soon as someone believes in, in Jesus Christ, they are ready to be baptized as a believer, as an appeal to a conscience. Now, one of my favorite stories, in fact, I think I have enough time. Um, that's when you get nervous. When the pastor says, I think I have enough time, get nervous. But Acts chapter 8, it's just one of my favorite, I can't help but going there. One of my favorite stories in Acts chapter 8 is when the Ethiopian eunuch gets baptized And if you go to Acts chapter 8, and let me pick it up in in verse 29. There's this Ethiopian eunuch. He's he's going along in his chariot, and he happens to be reading an Old Testament scroll from Isaiah. He has no clue about about the gospel at this point. He's just reading something from the Old Testament from Isaiah. And Philip, the evangelist, is kind of traveling along. And look at verse 29 and what it says. So great. It says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, the Ethiopian said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I asked, does the prophet say this, about himself or or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Now, here is clearly a pagan, non-Jew, with no biblical background at all, 
And Philip the evangelism tells him, the evangelist tells him the good news of Jesus Christ. He believes, and this eunuch says, what's preventing me from being baptized? Nothing. You've believed. It's time. Get baptized. People tell me all the time, I don't know if I'm ready to be baptized. I don't know. Like, dude, you're, are you a believer? Yes. Get baptized. John the Baptist came and said, baptize. Jesus said to his disciple, go out there and baptize people. Get baptized. Go baptize. Get baptized as a believer. Who should? Who are the people of baptism? It's believers in Jesus Christ. It's believers in Jesus Christ. The final thing is this, is the mode. What should be the mode of baptism? Now let me look at verses 19. Go back to 1 Peter 3, verses 19 and following. Verse 19, one of the most difficult verses in all of the Bible, but I'll read it. It says, In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. And then it goes on to say baptism, which corresponds to this. Peter is comparing baptism to the days of Noah. This is a really cool connection. Because you know what happened. You know, in the days of Noah, people were exceedingly wicked. And God looked down and said, I'm going to judge the whole world. And he told Noah, I need you to go build an ark. I need you to tell people to get on that ark because judgment's coming. And when that judgment comes, everybody's going to die if they're not on the ark. And, of course, Noah went out, and Noah was a terrible preacher, apparently, right? <laughs> His church was eight people. It's always encouraging to me. I'm like, man, I got a bigger church than Noah, right? I mean, like, he couldn't reach any. Nobody listened to him. No, but here's the thing. Bad preachers who preach the truth are better than good preachers who preach lies. Can I get an amen? And Noah was telling people the truth, and he said, God is real, righteousness is real, God will judge the world, that's going to happen, and when that judgment comes, nobody is surviving unless they are on the ark. So he preached, and he only got eight people on that boat, and most of them were his son-in-law, so he probably grabbed them and said, you're getting on the boat with my daughter, you know what I mean, you're getting on, and so they get on the boat, and they survive. Peter is saying a couple of things. I'm going to say something theologically that you actually need to investigate because it's a real debatable issue and I'm not ready to go up on a hill and die for it. But here's what I, I believe it's saying. It says that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison. And if you look at, I'm not going to go there, but if you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it said that Old Testament prophets, Jesus preached through Old Testament prophets. That Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, Preach repentance. So when Noah was preaching not very good sermons, but true sermons, Jesus was preaching really perfectly through him and telling people to repent and believe. And so it's saying that what happened is when Noah preached and Jesus preached through him, people didn't believe except for those eight people. And when they got on that ark, because they believed the message of salvation through judgment, when water came, they survived through the water. That's a really great thing because what it tells us is it says that when people are baptized in this water, it's the same thing as picturing surviving the judgment of God. 
Guess what? Another judgment is coming to this world. Let me be Noah for a moment to everybody here. Judgment is coming. Second Peter chapter 3 says that judgment won't be with water. It'll be with fire. And what baptism means is it says, I believe that the way I'm going to survive the final judgment of God and I'm going to meet my maker is by believing in Jesus and by coming up out of this water through baptism, we're symbolizing I will survive the judgment of fire just like those eight persons with Noah survived the judgment of water. Now, when it comes to the mode, we ask, well, how should that be symbolized? Should that be symbolized through sprinkling? Should that be symbolized by like a little drop on the head? Should that be symbolized with a, with a little golden thing and you just kind of, or should that be symbolized more dramatically? We believe that the reason why John the Baptist took people into the Jordan River, the reason why Jesus and his disciples took people into the water, the reason why it describes the unit going down into the water and coming back up is because that is a dramatic presentation of surviving the judgment of God. And that the appropriate mode of baptism should be what we call immersion. It should be something where where you go down and you come back up out of water. That's why we take the time to get a tub in the middle of our sanctuary because we are interested in being as pictorial as we can that we survive the judgment of God by believing in Jesus Christ. Now, I have to tell you, you're, you're like, well... You know, are you getting legalistic? Are you saying that God doesn't accept any other mode ever at any time? And I would say, no, I'm not saying that. You know, in the history of the church, you know, some Christians, when Christianity began to spread to like Russia, it got pretty cold. They didn't always have water you could go into, you know what I mean, in the ancient world. I think that sometimes people with handicaps or people who are unable to get in water and be submerged, that God is perfectly happy symbolically for a sprinkling just like if we had no American flags but a ripped and tattered one, we would, be, we would find that as acceptable as possible if there was nothing left, uh, nothing else available. But can I tell you, if we can do a mode that's as close to what it looked like in the Bible, then let us do it. Let the mode be exactly as close to the New Testament as, as possible. And I mean, I, I would almost say, you know, maybe we should start going down to a river every now and then, or we'll find a pond. Maybe we'll put a pond over there, you know what I mean? And we'll just start going, whatever. But here's the thing. It's an important message, and we want to capture it as best as we can. And we think the best way is for a person to go down under the water, come up out, and that's a great picture of being cleansed, surviving judgment, being made right with God. That's happened invisibly in their life. I would say one other thing, and then I'll be done with this, but when it comes to the mode, I would put just a little sub-point under the mode, immersion. But the other question is, who should be the baptizer? You know, this, is a, this is kind of a cool question. Like, should it just be the pastor who baptizes? An ordained clergyman? Should it be somebody who has a position of pastor? I got to tell you, as a pastor, I love baptizing people. I'll baptize anybody that wants to be baptized. But can I tell you, believer... You can baptize people. Today, we're going, to see, uh, we're going to see Cameron baptize his daughter. We're going to see Tim Brown baptize somebody from the point. Uh, we're going to see other people baptize other people. And I would say to Crosspoint, our policy is not that a pastor has to do the baptizing. 
If you disciple somebody and you lead them to Jesus Christ and you're discipling them in their life, I would encourage you to tell anyone you lead to Christ, I want to baptize you. And then you can come and do it right here in our church or do it with us as, as we celebrate the gospel together. What a great picture. You can baptize somebody if you lead them to Jesus Christ. Anyone can baptize anyone as long as both people are believers in Jesus Christ. The meaning, the people, the mode of baptism. And so, may God bless us today. And I have to tell you, first service, I love you. I, please, I love all of you. And I tried my best. We had a couple of people we were going to get baptized in the first service. And then because one was out of town and one's just kind of praying more about it, um, all of our baptizes, we've got four people being baptized. They're going to be baptized in the second service. So I'm really sorry about that. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to do some worship. And then I'm going to come back up and share with you their story and their testimony. And you'll get to hear a little bit about them and see a picture so that you can kind of be a part of their day. And together as a church, we can celebrate people being baptized. But let me pray for the rest of our service.